Hello and welcome to episode, what is it, 19 of the Tip Manor podcast. 19 episodes, chaps. That's a lot of episodes in a very short space of time. Are we feeling exhausted? John, are you feeling exhausted? Well, it's the business end of the season, isn't it? You know, can you do it on a windy, cold night? So yeah, no, I'm feeling good. We've, um, yeah, 19 episodes, what, 19, 20 weeks? Pretty good run. Yeah. We're now into December. Is is the tree up? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> was supposed to be today, but um, didn't get around to it. That is very disappointing. And finally, John, what do you have for dinner? I thought I might catch you out. I've not had it yet. Um, oh. I believe it's um, moussaka, another on the international Okay, not routine. bad. I've just is got a list a lamb? Of, uh, lamb dish? Yeah, I think so. I've just got a list of good-sounding food to say on this. I never actually have any of them. Okay, well, okay. I'd say that's above a falafel. So, well played, well played. Um, ben, how you've been in Edinburgh? How was Edinburgh? Yeah, Edinburgh was great. It's lovely this time of the year, all Christmassy, Christmas markets. Uh, apart from when it rains, and then it's not so good. But yeah, uh, a day's not really long enough to enjoy Edinburgh. No. How long was it from Leeds? Three hours or so on the train. <laughs> well, it took us about four. Oh, we know we drove. Thankfully, I didn't oh, drive. Wow. But no, it took about. Uh, well, train's too expensive. But it took about four, four and a half hours. Okay, good. You suitably rested. You just got back, and you're on the pod. Uh, back, back about an hour ago. Had a couple of coffees, raring to go. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. Right on to the news. So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Manor News. So, this week, Oxford United confirmed Eastwood would be out for the until the new year. So, Jordan Archer was signed for a month and played yesterday against Shrewsbury. So, we'll touch more on him later. Mm-hmm. The other thing this week was we trained on our pitch for the first time since 2016 in signs of an improving relationship with uh, Mr. Kassam. The team also stayed at the hotel next to the ground which is a ridiculously cheap deal, according to KR, allowed them to train the following day post the Exeter game. Also, KR mentioned other things about being able to access certain rooms they hadn't been able to before and some commercial elements like Singer now on sale. So all sounds positive, but I suppose first place for discussion, James, this set off your cynicism um, valve, and I think it was all a, <laughs> a good point to make. Um, it's all welcome, but yeah, you, you suspect there might be some things to worry about in this. Well... Yeah, I saw a lot of other fans just kind of saying, "What, what's he, what's Kassam up to, and what, what does he want? Why is he being nice to us all of a sudden?" And you could argue that, well, no, I just think there's got to be something in it for him. And is it, is it the fact that he's trying to warm us up? You know, the lease ends. I, I had to go back to work out when the lease expired, but I think it's 2026. Um, has he had conversations with, you know, Oxford City Council that have gone badly? in terms of looking at kind of options to build housing and therefore he's trying to sweeten us up to extend the lease or something like that. You know, he's a shrewd businessman at the end of the day. So I I just, yeah, my cynicism would be that there's something going on behind the scenes, but maybe I'm just reading far too much into it. I don't know, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, it's just two sides to the coin. The the optimist says it's just him realising that we're actually serious about moving this time. 
And so there's no harm in him just sort of being a bit friendly if, let's say, it takes five or six years to build a stadium rather than four. We might need an extra year or two to extend the lease. Um, but the pessimist side of me says, yeah, he's up to something. Just want to find out what. Yeah. Didn't Jack also say that it was the first time KR had used the manager's office in the Kassam yeah, since he'd been at the club that, or something? That's what I was I was referring to. I mean, I think there's we're, we're surely going to have to extend. It's Ben's point. It, it, we, building a stadium will take quite a quick amount of time. Someone else had made the point that he, Sam doesn't have to do this stuff by default if he's in disputes with us. Um, yeah. So we, we've seen what he's like in the in the past. I mean, the the value of the land beneath the stadium must be enormous. Um, but we've got to get to a point where we, you know, we've even signed a letter of intent or something on buying extra land for him to realise we're actually serious. There's quite a a point where this does get into, oh, you're actually serious, and then I've got to find a tenant for a stadium, which all we've ever done in the past was get London Irish in, which didn't work out for long. Or he's got to level that at quite a serious cost. So he's got to be thinking, oh, they're actually getting serious about this. But yeah, right for us to be cynical. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw um, on the Five Minutes fan, Fans Forum with uh, Mr. Mac that uh, someone asked the question about a potential site near Pear Tree Roundabout, which is right next to where I grew up, um, being... A potential, you know, opportunity for us to build a stadium around there. I couldn't it was between Pear Tree and somewhere else, maybe heading towards Yarnton or wherever it is. Um, but he he kind of declined that. He didn't really put too much on it or kind of stir the rumor further. Uh, but there was another few comments on Twitter when this type of thing came up, where I think someone suggested that the land around the Kassam was worth circa twenty five million. I don't know again where they plucked that from. I think previously we had had an opportunity to buy the stadium for 12 or 13 or something like that. So anyway, it's just all numbers, isn't it? I'm I'm curious as to where that goes, but it's just going to be a constant theme with um with the club um for the next few months, I guess. Yeah, it's been made by directors on previous 5-minute forums that we are in that crunch point over the next 2 years where we can't ask them every single week what's happening, but something needs to give over the next 12 18 months. But, but there we are. Other thing on the stadium that was mentioned by uh, your uh, your number one fan, or you are the fan of, Mr. Mack, was about the <laughs> fourth stand discussions if we were to get to the championship. And that's what he confirmed he was talking to Kassam about. And Tigers talked about it as a as previous owners have, as, as and when we can justify it, which we'll, we'll touch on again previously. I mean, the club's reporting that we're on track for 10,000 in attendance for Man City, Wickham, and Lincoln, which is which is great. Um, other news yeah. is we've, we're featuring in a BT Sports special, which is the Miked Up series, where Jake Humphrey attends the training ground and gets to listen into what's what's going on. It must be a hell of a prep job for when they come, thinking right, we better be really <laughs> really professional and slick and uh, sound really good. But by all accounts, I haven't seen it yet, but it's well worth a watch and. Lots of info like the recruitment process, the team goes, the club goes through match preparations, and it was on next Tuesday next week. If anyone hasn't seen it, um, but that's but that's a nice one it, to do. It was on last night, wasn't it? I don't have BT Sports. So I'm praying that they whack it on their YouTube channel because they do put a lot of content on there for free after games and stuff like that and highlights. So hopefully they get something on their their channel for people that don't have a subscription. Yeah, you'd think they would. Um, it's quite a good one. It is proper in behind the scenes type stuff that I certainly love. So, yeah, hopefully they, hopefully they do. 
continuing our international news section after <laughs> last pod, um, Oxford, uh, technically an Oxford player, Kashadiki, spoke at the 74th UN General Assembly this week about how football should be used as a tool for community and diplomatic impact. Haven't quite got around to watching that speech yet, but um, <laughs> it, he has also done a programme on um, BBC about his move to Kashmir FC and talking a bit more widely about his role, so that's probably worth uh, checking out. Squad news, which I think will become more of just a, a one-off news item this pod, is Brannigan and Baptiste have suffered minor setbacks and apparently have a chance of making MK Dons, which becomes more and more important as we learnt from yesterday's game. And also Jamie Hansen has done his other hamstring, so he's not going to be in the mix. So, yeah, yeah good good bit of news this week, I think. Hmm. Uh, the final one that we're not going to cover later on was Exeter midweek. So there was a nil-nil draw there. The only question I wanted to ask you guys is, well, Ben, is the unbeaten run over? No, uh, because the League One Twitter account said it, we were still unbeaten on Saturday morning, and that's good enough for me. Okay, good. Yeah, because Pomp- that Pompey game where we lost on pens was midway through the run as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That didn't count. For some reason, it just felt like it counted more. Everyone seemed to acknowledge that it counted. We, we can't... KR seemed to be defeatist after the game. So Yeah, we can't lose the seven in a row against Swindon if we use the same logic as the unbeaten run being over. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's not over. Okay, good. Right, so Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury, whatever you want to call it, at home. And so you have to go back to the 26th of October for our last game at the Kassam in the league, which was a win over Rochdale. I don't even remember what the score was, but I'm going to guess it was 3-0. Was it 3-0? I think it must was. have been 3-0. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Shrewsbury's form going into the game yesterday, their away record was played 8-1-2, drawn 3, lost 3. And they were kind of hanging around mid-table, but had a were on a relatively decent run, but with a couple of strange defeats in there. 4-3 to Bristol Rovers was one that stood out. Um, Sam Ricketts kind of going into the game was full of praise for us, um, basically saying that we were the best uh, team in the league. Well, he thought that we were the best team in the league. He, as he told the Shropshire Star. John, do you read the Shropshire Star? No, I, I do have to read the Sheffield Star quite a lot through work. So the Star is a, is a key regional title. Good. And the Daily Star, and that seems to be your street as well. But, God. <laughs> Where did that uh, come from? <laughs> uh, so he was focusing on the fact that we're unbeaten in 10. Uh, we score three or four goals most weeks. And then he talked about how him and Dean Whitehead, who's obviously in his coaching setup now, um, were in the youth team and they ended up doing everything at the club. And he said he had, te- had keys for everything at the ground at one point. They were cleaning Dean Windus's boots and then referencing players like Matty Elliott, Beecham, Gilchrist, Paul Powell and saying how good good the squad was at that point in time. Uh, I put a quick poll on Twitter. By the way, for anyone that listening, is listening, we all have access to that Twitter account, so it's never just one of us. We all whack stuff on there, just to make that clear. Just in case anyone puts anything rogue on there and they think it's me. Um, <laughs> But I asked um, if we could make it 11 league games unbeaten tomorrow and what, what we thinking. Um, so I asked if we were going to win by three or more goals. Would it be a scrappy win? Would it be a draw or a loss? We had 21% three or more goals, 51% going for the scrappy win, which I think was a good shout. Uh, 20% for a draw, 8% thinking a loss. 
And uh, yeah, where were you? Where were you guys camped? I know we had the predictions before, John. I think you were the one-one draw, so it ended up being the closest. And Ben, what were you? I think you were a two-nil from memory. I think I said I think I said two-nil. Although when it, as it came to Saturday morning, I did put scrappy win as yeah. a, my answer for that poll. I did just feel that yeah, we just as it went on with the injuries, yeah, a bit, a bit more nervy. Yeah, and as you saw the lineup, I was probably in the same place as well. I kind of went from feeling confident to realizing the kind of state that we're in with all of the kind of injuries that were kind of mounting up on us and then the Goran suspension as well. So Brannigan, as John's mentioned, still out. Baptiste still out. Woodburn still out. Uh, Gorin suspended, as as I just mentioned. Jordan Archer was making his debut. And um, I I guess on Jordan Archer, uh, he coming into the game, the only thing I'd never really heard of him before. I think he's 26 years old. He's played a lot of games in the championship. Um, I think it was Millwall and Bristol City. Um, He had a lot of abuse (laughs) on our own kind of Fred from the club from Millwall fans, basically citing him as being the reason why their playoff push collapsed at one stage. Maybe it was last season. I'm not sure. But I don't know. John, did you catch that? Yeah, and and I always put a a worrying amount of stock in fan reactions to players and there can be all sorts of reasons why but when I saw that it was the same for some of the comments about him from Charlton when we first appointed um, KR um, I mean he played a lot of games yeah. in the championship as you mentioned and but I've seen some clips where he conceded this horrible goal from the halfway <laughs> line um, and you always wonder well well, if he's a Scottish international who's played internationally why is he a free agent it may just be wages or something like that but I think overall it made sense. Harsh on Stevens, but if if Eastwood's going to be potentially well over a month, I think you probably need to do it. Yeah, Ben, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's harsh on Stevens bringing in um, Archer and putting him straight in the first team? It's going to be a kick in the teeth for him, but I think he's he's you know got enough about him that he knows he's probably not good enough to start in a League One team. Um, I think. Ideally, we'd want to just ease him in a few cup games, a few trophy games, give him some experience that way. I think we've just got too many big games coming up the next few weeks to to put that on his shoulders. Because imagine if he makes a mistake, that you know that could be his confidence ruined. So I think it's fair enough bringing in someone. Yeah. Uh, so James Henry moved into the Gorin kind of CDM role uh, with Ford and Sykes kind of playing ahead of him in the centre of the park. I guess this is. This was, well, caused much debate um, in our kind of WhatsApp group and on Twitter as well, where people were talking about whether it would have made more sense kind of bringing Elliot Moore into the the back four and then shifting Moose up into that holding midfield role that he did so well at at the back end of last year. Again, John, how were you feeling when you saw that? KR tried to explain it by saying that it was more based on Henry's kind of unbelievable range of passing, which is why he got the nod there over Moose and Josh Ruffles. I, I understood KR's logic of if Shrewsbury are a tough team to beat, then you need someone who can switch the ball very quickly and move it around. But I just find holding mids is such an important role and it's quite a, a structural one that I'd have gone with Moose or Ford just to be in there to do a solid moving it, keeping the ball moving type of thing. It's like you don't yeah. see, There's not many like holding mids out there who can do Hollywood passes and get the ball for defence, move it on and restrain themselves as well. So I I, was, I got it. I got why he was going for it. Um, but I think I would have gone with a, the safer option. And I always think, why can't Moore and Dickie Dick, don't seem to be... Moose always seems to have to play. 
and surely Moore and Dickey can be fine with Moose in front of them. So yeah, I, I would have gone with Moose, I think. Yeah. Uh, only other bit of team news worth calling out. Um, so on the back of Henry kind of dropping back into that position, Sykes played uh, centre mid as well, meant, and that meant that Robbie Hall got a rare league start on the right wing, um, playing up top with Taylor and Fossu. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, so the match kicked off. Uh, the first 20 minutes were pretty ugly from our perspective. Shrewsbury pretty dominant. Um, much of the game early on was played in our own half. Luckily, kind of Shrewsbury weren't as clinical as they could have been. They got in some really good positions, but fudged some good chances. And we did end up clearing a header off the line at one point. They were kind of getting down the flanks pretty, pretty easily and getting balls in, but... Again, they weren't flooding the boxes. Maybe they could have done, but we were really struggling to sustain possession or kind of build any form of attacking momentum for most of the first half. And it felt like the ball was constantly being played in. I watched the game, by the way, so I didn't just hear this on the radio. <laughs> but the ball was constantly being played into the feet of our attacking players. And it, it seemed to... Specific, I was specifically focusing on Fossey with this. They were doubling up on him. Um our players had their backs to goal. Taylor managed to deal with that pretty well, hold the ball up, play it off and do well. Um, but because of Shrewsbury's press and they were pressing aggressively as well, like kind of nudging into the back straight you know, early on, Fossey felt like he was getting bullied. His body language then kind of changed a little bit. He always looks a little bit lackadaisical, but it kind of was another level of that. Um, it seemed to have a lack of kind of energy going yeah, forward he, as well. He got really called out during the commentary that I was listening to that, I think it was Peter Rose Brown saying he just needs to step up and, and do something. And things, if we're being pressed, then he needs to start making runs in behind and moving them around. And it comes down to the fullbacks as well. But yeah, I think Fossu, he's been playing a lot of games and he just does seem to go off and on a bit. And maybe this is the thing that, that's come through from him previously about how he can be brilliant and then he can go a bit up and down. Yeah. That, that's exactly it, is that we weren't playing in a way where... I don't know if it's a case of players need to make the runs or the way we need to play the ball around to then get allow the players to then make the runs because they can see that the ball is on, but that did, wasn't a thing. Like, they weren't, we weren't playing on their back line, which meant that this was constantly kind of a rinse and repeat formula for the game, especially in the first half. Um, ben, were you listening in or were you playing catch-up on the highlights? No, I was uh, fortunate playing catch up on the highlights. I had a 4G failure while out and about in Edinburgh. So I, I didn't follow any of the first half, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I, I switched on just after half time and got a bit of a shock when I saw the stats. Uh, we had 60 odd percent of the possession, but they'd had nine shots and we'd had one off target. Yeah. So that straight away, I thought something must have been a, a poor first half performance. But based on, based on what I've seen, yeah, the Fosu performance reminded me a lot of Bolton. I always go back to that. That was our sort of last really poor game before we started this run. If he just has one or two moments in the first half, if he's been bullied off the ball or he's not he's not getting the ball he wants, he's not playing as he wants, he, he, the head does drop a bit and it feels like it doesn't pick back up again. So I wonder, I did, I'm asking you, you saw the game, do you think that's a sort of fair assessment that he just didn't, yeah. didn't really enter the game at any point? I think so, but it's too, yeah, it's too easy to put everything on. I think it was a case for everyone. It's just Taylor that's more part of his game, kind of holding it up um, and then playing it off. Fosu's game is to try and turn in tight spaces. And, you know, the last few games that's been coming off for him, kind of wriggling out of those tight places where there's one or two players around him. It just wasn't working. 
um, this game. And I think, yeah. It's also probably sorry. It's probably fair that I guess we've we've watched Fosu and watched his performance because now we expect so much of him. He's such an impact player and he's done so well in his last ten games or so that I guess we'll notice more if he has a bad game because it's not a good game kind of thing. So yeah, it's probably a bit a bit harsh to say it's you know yeah. pick him yeah. out as the one player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's that's a good point. It's more that how good we know he can be, which is why I guess we're focusing a bit on him. Um, just before half time, so and more bad news. John kind of referenced it or alluded to it earlier, but uh, Anthony Ford went down. It was kind of a strange challenge. I think he went in, actually fouled his opponent, which kind of fell weirdly and ended up breaking three ribs. He was struggling to breathe, so got rushed straight to the JR. Um, so Moose ended up coming on just before half time. And I think a lot of us were thinking that means he'll go and sit in that holding midfield role. But actually what happened um, is he kind of sat in a back three and that's how we ended up starting the the second half. But based on what you said uh, there, Ben, in terms of the stats, they, they were very much reflective of that first half. We were pretty lucky to go in at nil-nil. Um, but yeah, I was wondering, John, I don't know what you think, but was the way the first half panned out due to Shrewsbury being drilled and organised no more our own lineup and the different shape that we had to apply and just the levels of performance like what was the bigger factor is it a mixture of both don't know I think yeah it's an extreme Moose after the game made an interesting comment about how we prepared for a different shape and they played differently and that took us a while to adapt yeah. to it factor that in as well with the Henry Henry playing and holding mid clearly wasn't working so that's a way of us getting organised and you talk about Fosu and Hall um, they are players that need the, the balls played into them they're not sort of integrated it is about the two in midfield and well the two in the holding mid making it work so I think they had a really good plan and, and it sounded like they were doing a bit of a burden to us when yeah. so I think it's, it's a bit of both but I think as we'll get on to they, they probably deserved a credit for how they were stifling us at least yeah, that's it. Bolton, Fleetwood and Burton all come to mind about teams that applied that really high press where we just didn't manage to deal with it. And then suddenly we managed to deal with it and we were winning 6-0. And um, it's an interesting one. But uh, yeah, started the second half. So Mackie came on for Robbie Hall. I thought Robbie, Robbie did have some good moments in that first half, but it was few and far between. But when he did find a bit of space, or he, and he did actually take on a few players at times successfully, his his ball just was hitting the first man every time. So it was, it was a shame, but you know, hopefully again he gets another run out soon and um, can do have a bit of a better performance. But I think he needs to show something in the in a league game soon, doesn't he, Ben? Otherwise, when other players are back, he's going to find himself um, back on the bench or playing in cup competitions or whatever. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the nail on the head there. Is we've got so many midfield injuries at the moment. If he can't shine now, I think he's going to really struggle for any game time. Once you know, you've got midfield three of, of Brannigan, Henry, or Baptiste and Gorin, and you've got the wingers. If if, if Hall can't prove himself better than someone like Sykes or Bossu, then yeah, he's, I think he might struggle to get proper game time, particularly in the league. Yeah, and on that, it's fair to say that this wasn't really a game for anyone to stand out, and Sykes. He was playing in what I think is meant to be his more familiar position, and he did grow into the game a bit in the second half. But that was as you know, all the players did. Um, but he didn't stand out too much. Um, one of the main, you know, I think people listening to this that watched the game or were there or 
were listening in will know there was a, a key theme running through this game and it was uh, all about the referee. And he stepped up his game second half in his quest to obtain the dickhead of the day award. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll give him. Uh, but it, yeah, it is incredible how a ref... And I found myself shouting at the... My children were watching me and just going, what's wrong with what's wrong with daddy? <laughs> but it's incredible how a ref can have such an awful game without having to make any form of kind of game-defining or controversial decision. He was just incredibly inconsistent. So I had to take notes on this because I knew I'd forget. But three or four times, Shrewsbury committed a blatant foul to stop a counter-attack, yet he didn't consistently book him. I think it was like a 50% booking rate. Um, we were literally away a couple of times. I remember Ruffles was away down the left with no one in front of him at one point, and he still didn't book the guy. Um, they also kicked the ball away multiple times, stopping us from being able to take a quick three ki- free kick or throw in. That went without any punishment. Um, and this is all second half, really, where it just was all compounded. But um, they also took throw-ins from wrong positions, knowing they'd have to retake them. Um, the second or third time it happened, the ref gave us a throw-in. I didn't think that was a rule. Like, it's as if he just made up a rule. But, John, do you reckon that's a rule? Uh, vaguely rings a bell. But it's, it's frustrating because I sort of picked up a bit of this frustration through the through the radio and jerome yeah. <laughs> jerome was losing his absolute oh, he marbles was, he was losing it but it's strange because the good teams do a bit of all of these things but not relentlessly because a good ref will pick them up and sort of as you say the stopping counter-attacks these days in football that those tend to be sort of caught out pretty quickly because it's at such pace that it, they're key moments but uh, yeah it's it's a really weird one that it's just not the consistency is that's what gets us all hacked off. I think we can take yeah. some of the some of the rest at this level are not going to get the the thirty meters away decisions absolutely right, but it's the consistency that does everyone's nutting. Who was that knob who managed Stevenage? Was it Graham? What's his name? West Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. Because this was all him. He used to love this shit. This was all what Stevenage were about, and it was water water breaks and all sorts. And I just remember, I remember Jerome would always reference it as well back in the day but anyway we don't have to worry about them anymore um ultimately the anti kind of footballing approach from shrewsbury especially in the second half just kept you know continued because of the ref's inability to manage the game to the letter of the law but yeah it was it was a real shame it just meant the whole game kind of fell apart in the second half um henry ended up coming off for sam long um towards the you know final quarter of the game uh, he picked up a thigh injury. It didn't seem like it was too serious at the time, but after the game, it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, if not a month or two. Um, Sam Long did pretty well after coming on. Um, the game kind of stretched out a bit and he worked really well with Cadden on the right-hand side. I know, again, this is something that happened at Fleetwood months ago and we were kind of kind of out of the game at that point in time. But actually, Longy did really well, um, did his defensive duties well and also worked well with Cadden on the overlap and stuff as well. But um, yeah, overall, back to the ref quickly. Whilst you can't say it wasn't impacting, it felt like the referee's display masked the fact that we didn't play well and lacked a bit of a cutting edge. Ben, do you reckon that's, that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. It's always easy to blame the ref. I mean, in this case, you know, it was warranted, but it, yeah, it can't hide the... It's not 100% the ref's fault we didn't win that game. We didn't create enough when it really mattered and there weren't enough strikers on the end of the cross, you know, the, the dangerous balls in. So, yeah, I, we didn't play well enough to win that game. No. John? I, I 
one of my tests is always what have they worked into the nine minute highlights and there was one moment where one of the highlights was Fosu overheating a cross and the other one was a ball down the side that Mackie didn't quite get to and both of them I thought those what were what they deemed our highlights were were another example of beyond all the obvious <laughs> not being able to make it work that we just weren't actually playing all that well and no. and once their game plan had, had settled into time waste and anti-football and so on that we just sort of yeah couldn't find an answer to it I haven't actually watched the highlights back but we didn't really work their keeper whatsoever apart from that one chance that was saved from Ruffles at the near post after a good move down the right. Yeah, was that, the, was that on the highlights? Yeah, it was. And there was a shot from Fosu early on, but that, that was the other point I was going to make that oh, our yeah. shot, we didn't barely work their keeper at all, which, yeah, is, is an obvious one as well. Yeah. Um, so we had a huge amount of possession that kind of carried on from the first half, 69 70%. But... It was very similar to the early stages of the season where most of that football was being played around our back line in our own half. Um, they were basically saying, and I think um, Sam Ricketts mentioned it after the game, they were pretty happy for our centre-backs to just have the ball. And they were pretty happy for James Henry to just have the ball in that holding role because he had no outlet. And his often what Henry was ending up doing was turning back and passing to um, someone along the back line. So it just didn't seem to work, but... Yeah, considering injuries that are mounting up, um, kind of subsequent changes we're having to make in terms of the shape, uh, some of those kind of shape changes pre-game and some being reactive. I think KR again said we had to change the shape about three or four times in the system that goes alongside that. Um, How concerned should we be going into this very busy Christmas period, Ben? I'm, I'm a little bit concerned just because all our injuries seem to be focused on one area of the pitch, right in the centre of midfield. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what sort of you know, quality of, of youth we've even got to potentially come in and even just fill a spot on the bench in centre midfield. Um, obviously, we've got Gorin back from suspensions, so that's a, a big boost. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, against MK Dons, I think we should have enough about us. But if they come at us in the same way Shrewsbury did, uh, then I think we might struggle to break them down. Yeah, yeah. John, do you think that was a good point considering the injuries and all the shape changes and the referee's performance or still two points dropped? I think it's a good point relative to where we are in the season. If it was, if we really were gunning for promotion later down the season, it's one where you're like, well, we need to find a way to win games like that and we still need to find a way to beat teams that, as we mentioned, the Fleetwoods and the Burtons that play that way against us. But yeah, with the injuries and the ref... I think you've got to take that they they did a job on us, really. Yeah. Second half, we were definitely the better team and it looked like we were the only team that was going to win it. So that was a massive improvement from that first half. And you could tell Shrewsbury were comfortable with a point at that point in time. Um, The other positive, Jordan Archer had really what I, I thought was a really solid game in goal. He you know, made the saves he needed to make. He actually was really decisive with corners and we've we've had a bit of... Well, Eastie's had a couple of issues earlier on in the season with dealing with corners and set pieces and such. <laughs> but um, I thought he did really well. Um, he often was punching the corners as well, but I was I was impressed. I don't know. There was the fact that it was quite quiet around him is a good sign, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, I mean, if the keeper's making you know ten saves a game, it suggests the defense aren't doing their job properly. So yeah. the fact he was he was yeah he was tested a few times, but. Yeah, that's going to happen over the course of 90 minutes. 
Um, just going back to we mentioned at the start about that sort of video of all of his uh, sort of mistakes in the second half of, of last season for Millwall. I'm pretty sure we could we could do that with Eastwood if we really wanted to and sort of say, ah, oh, looks at he's made all these mistakes, but you know he could have made some brilliant saves even though he made those yeah. mistakes. So I'm I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until I see anything to prove otherwise. Yeah, for sure. He was bollocking a plenty in the highlights, which is always a good sign for a keeper. Yeah, he won't know their names either, really, will he? Going, <laughs> Dave, mate, Dave, mate, <laughs> clear it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so in terms of reaction, one sec. <clears throat> I need a pint of cowpaw after this. I'm not, not best well. Um, Sam Ricketts. Uh, after I have the one game, of them normally. Sam Ricketts was basically saying he felt that they were the better team. Well, by far the better team, especially in the first half. And then he he said we was he felt in the scheme of the ninety minutes they were the better team overall. Said he kind of acknowledged that second half it was more digging in for them. Uh, as I said earlier. Very happy letting our centre-backs have the ball. That's fine. It gave them a breather, which was kind of a fair bit of analysis from him. But he said, yeah, delighted with the performance and the point at the end of the day. And then I don't know if you heard the when it came down to Nathan with KR. Yeah. Did any of you hear this? Yeah. <laughs> Nathan started the interview by saying, um, just been with Sam Ricketts and he said that they were by far the better team today. What's your assessment? John, do you want to? talk us through some well, of his response. I, I, th- I assume the what was the response just to stay silent for a, an awkward amount of time. I mean, it, it sounded like one of those moments we all have where something in the brain doesn't engage because you cannot handle what's just been said. <laughs> and it was very awkward. Um, yeah. And he sounded, you know, very annoyed and in quite a contrast with what Massinho later went on to say. Um, but just said he felt, I mean, he felt said we played pretty well, if I, if I remember right, which I, was a, I wasn't quite sure about that comment but certainly and he picked out the referee which he generally seems to have stopped sort of commenting on referees and and that sort of thing which I guess we have been playing better or winning so less need to but yeah quite a a bit of a bizarre one but you could tell he was fuming about that that comment it obviously touched the nerve yeah that's it he said he was focusing initially on Shrewsbury's performance and the referee as well he, t- he talked about how we had 10 players out injured, referee was poor, they were just focusing on time-wasting and essentially doing that is not football. To say that they were the better team, he said he was absolutely bamboozled. And I think he's fair in saying that after the first 15, 20 minutes, we were the better side after that and we dominated the rest of the game but still lacked that cutting edge. And it's good that he acknowledges the fact that we are lacking that final ball or that getting kind of shots off in decent places. But he said the referee was the worst he's, he's seen. I think I've heard him say that like four or five times yeah. in the last two years. But, you know, there you go. Uh, he said if we had that ref against Man City, we've got a chance of winning it. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, poor Nathan. I, fe- I felt for Nathan Cooper from Radio Oxford. Yeah, but he just went. <laughs> he just walked off at the end. The way it started and ended, yeah, I felt bad for Nathan. But there you go. Moose had, uh, you know, he's very good at interviews, isn't he? So he's going to be a manager one day. But um, all things considered, basically said we've done pretty well considering the changes in shape and formation and all the injuries and stuff like that. So He made, he yeah, made the point that the dressing room's not that deflated. And this point around, it's a compliment to us that a team's turned up and done that. And I think it just cements this point, maybe I'm a bit obsessed with it, just need to find a way 
a way around it. But he was kind of like, yeah, that, this happens in football. Um, we've not lost, so we move on. And it just seemed quite quite a rational way of looking at it, really. Yeah. So, John, you were the one, as I said earlier, you predicted the one-all. So, congratulations. I think we need to make sure we capture these predictions going forward. So, put some maybe a prize at the end. You have to buy a round or whatever. <laughs> prize, um, you have to buy a round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the victory. Yeah. You've got the victory. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, Connor talked about on the last pod how our last nil-nil versus Shrewsbury was 25 meetings ago, which was in... October 1994 um, so he absolutely jinxed that um, and there we go I think we should move on to League One but before we do Dave um, Pritchard from the Oxford Mail stole a little stat from him he, he he pointed out the number of games it's taken Oxford to reach 30 points in League One and the first season we were in there 2016-17 it was 22 games uh, 2017-18 21 games 18-19 it was 28 games and 2019 to 20, it's taken us 18 games. So we've done it in 10 games less, fewer than we did last year. So that's a good indication of, of the direction that we're going in. And on that nice note, Ben, you can tell us where we are on the table. I'm still always waiting for uh, Alan Partridge to do his ah <laughs> at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, quickly go through League One, a couple of... The- the key results, uh, uh, Ipswich drew one all the way at Coventry. Uh, I think they were leading that game for a long time, but similar to what John said for them, that's probably dropped two points, especially with uh, with Wickham not playing. Uh, what that result means is even if Ipswich win their game in hand, Wickham now have a little bit of a sort of net lead over them with equal games. Southend threw away a 2-0 lead to lose 4-2 away at Bristol Rovers, which uh, looking today on BBC Sport has left Sol Campbell completely bemused. <laughs> weren't they 2 0 up at half time south end that yeah. is or something like that that is horrendous yeah yeah see he's, i think he's still confused as to why he isn't just sort of turning up training for a few days and then winning every game 5 0 given that you know it's only league one it's an easy league according to sol campbell uh, yeah i'm not still bitter about that interview we made after we turned him down <laughs> uh pompey drew two all against peterborough i think that's a, that's a good game a good hard forward draw with two teams who are pretty much in form, especially Pompey of late, have, have turned things around again. Uh, our opponents, who John's going to touch on shortly, they drew one all the way at Doncaster and were a little unlucky not to come away with all three points. Good result, um, late uh, Elsewhere, there were wins for Blackpool, Lincoln, Gillingham, who beat Sunderland 1-0. Sunderland uh, all over the place now. And Rochdale, who got a, quite a good 1-0 win away at Rotherham. So an important take... win for Lincoln, isn't it? Because they were they were struggling under map. So he needs. I think they played a few games, few maybe a game or two less than teams around them. But that's still a massive win for them. And then Blackpool went three 0 up against um, Fleetwood as well. So that's a big. Is, is that considered a derby? It's got to be, isn't it? But I wonder yeah. if they actually care. I think it but is. But I don't think it's a ferocious one. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a derby. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna say it's not a very old derby. Fleetwood haven't been around in these sort of levels of the football league for for too long. But yeah, I guess any derby's a derby for them. They've not got too many other teams near them, especially in that neck of the woods. Uh, table wise, said no change at the top. Wickham didn't play in Ipswich, only got a point. Playoffs, there's quite a few teams jostling around. Uh, said Blackpool moved up with their victory, as did Bristol Rovers, uh, ourselves and Rotherham dropped out 
Coventry stayed put but dropped to sixth. So we're currently seventh, but you know, not many points away from third. Still very tight. We still got a game in hand on quite a few of those above us. So if we can just get a win against MK Dons, we'll probably end up fifth or sixth again. We would have gone um, third if we won, I think, based on goal difference. We would have gone get above Peterborough. Yeah, it's all still very tight. There's quite a lot of teams yeah. still in the mix. And at the bottom, absolutely no change. Still Bolton, Southend and MK Dons in the bottom three. I think two of those teams will be there at the end, at least. Definitely. Probably say that now. Mm. Um, the only other thing I noticed was, because in that Pompey and uh, Peterborough game, the two scorers for Peterborough, you can probably predict, were Tony and Issa. And they're having this little battle going on. They've got 13 goals each now. It's pretty frightening. So I'm definitely going to get when I think we're playing them away in it's either January or February. I don't remember. I it's but. January. Right. Are we all good, Ben? Are we moving on? All, all good. MK Don's preview. John. So I'm going to do my how bad their record is and scare you all into thinking we'll lose, <laughs> lose routine like I did for South End, which worked out fine. Um, so South End got a new manager as of early November, Russell Martin. He, Some of you might remember him. He played a lot for Norwich and helped get them into the Premiership. And I think he played against us when he was at Wickham. But this is their first season back in League One, having dropped down. Um, but under him, they, they've not won a league match yet. They've lost to Bolton, Tranmere, Rotherham. To be fair, a good result yesterday, I thought, away to Doncaster. And they've also lost to Wickham in the tin pot. And they have beaten Coventry in the tin pot, but that doesn't quite count. So getting to how bad their record is, their last league win was 14th of September. And it quite an impressive 3-0 win away at Blackpool. Their last home win, getting to the crux of it, was the week before that against AFC. And they've even lost to South End at home. So... Overall at home, they've played 10, won three, lost six. How are we feeling? Feeling pretty, getting nervous? Um, uh, I yeah. Think, I think there's there's an opportunity here, though, parking our injury crisis, because Russell Martin's been talking very much about how he wants to play a decent passing style, no long balls, no channel balls. We'll play the right sort of way type of, type of mantra. And just looking at one particular app, that stands out in their stats. So they play roughly about 310 accurate passes per game, which is just beneath us at 329 per game. So they seem to be wanting to get the ball down and play. Now, you can't tell how um, how effective those passes are and where they are in the pitch. But if you think about a team that wants to play football, we're the, we're the perfect team to for them to play against. Formation-wise, they, they've chopped and changed, but they seem to play a diamond with two up top, which to me seems quite ambitious for a team that's way down the bottom of the league. The other thing I noticed about them in this, t- looking at their stats, was they've got a number, quite a number of um, yellow cards, 33, but that's nowhere near our yellow cards, which is 39. And we're joint top with AFC Wimbledon for the number of yellow cards. Now, I didn't think we were that dirty. I know we've got a lot of suspensions, but are we a dirty team or is that is that just uh, yeah. silly fouls? Uh, what well, Taylor... Who was who were the quick guys? The the ones quick not quick off the block to get yellows. It was Brannigan, Taylor, and um, Gorin and Dicky. Yeah, so they all managed to just get to that place really quickly. But yeah, I don't think we're we're dirty. Ben, are we dirty? I wouldn't say filthy. we were. <laughs> You're totally filthy. 
No, Belfort. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's just with the way that Dickie and Goran go into challenges, a bit like Paul Scholes, you're always going to get a book in every now and then just for the way they tackle. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. A, a team at the top should be quite filthy, but the Platt's obviously not players not getting suspended quite a lot. But anyway, I thought it was interesting when I hadn't, hadn't really noticed. Um, Players-wise, got Jordan Barry on their books that we'll all remember. He's not mm. been too prolific this season. A couple of other decent strikers in Joe Mason, who's been injured most of the season, but he started scoring recently. He signed from Wolves. Uh, Kieran Agard is the, probably the more high-profile one they've got. And he scored 20 in League 2 last season, but struggled a bit this season and got sent off twice in two games. So he's But he did start away at, away at Doncaster. Who did, who did he used to play for? Was it Bristol City or was it is that someone else? Uh, um, got in my head he was at Charlton, but... I think he's yeah. one that KR knows and tried to sign, or, or there was rumours that we tried to sign him at the start of the season. Um, but there's some link to KR. Maybe maybe it's just an MK thing, but there's something. They, oh, here we go. Yeah, he played um, for Bristol City. I'm guessing yeah, that was so. in the championship. 15 goals in 64 games. He's been at um, MK Dons for a while. 140 games, more than any other club. Yeah, he's, he's, he scored a, a lot. And I think he was one where it was a surprise that he didn't move. And he's probably pissed off that he didn't, given how badly they're doing. But yeah. he's certainly back in the team, played against Doncaster, so he'll, he's he's definitely one to watch. Other players have picked out were Alex Gilby in centre mid. He's one of those, gets on the ball, likes to dribble, centre midfield, scored against Doncaster. And Dean Lewington's a pretty solid defender at this level. So they've got some players there, and it's probably a slight mystery as why they are where they are. Um, moving on to pub chat, which I didn't forget, but there are actually some interesting pubs not that far away, but unfortunately near the ground is, is not going to be an option. There's not many pubs around there and I don't think many of them welcome visiting supporters. So the best bet is pubs near the railway stations that are not about sort of 20, 25 minutes walk away. As a, as a Bletchley working men's club, like a good working men's club. But, <laughs> but the one that caught my eye was Captain Ridley's shooting party, which is a, which is a Weatherspoons. And that was the... That stems from it being the cover name for MI5 people who visited Bletchley Park, which is just down the road. Who and that was because it was the that was the name they came up because it was all around the code breakers during the during the war. So there's some stuff in the pub around that all that thing as well, which is apparently look at. And, and if you were going to get down there early, it's well worth a visit to Bletchley Park itself, which I've done before. Um, so yeah, that's some interesting interesting pub there. So I think that's the one we should. Um, we should go. Um, I think we definitely. I think we're looking to go down there. Uh, so that brings us to predictions, and we'll take a note of them this week. Ben, what do you reckon? I think we'll win. I think it'll be one nil. Um, I think just with the injuries we've got at the moment, I think it might take us a bit of time to get going. Um, and if, if they've got any sense, they'll sort of see how Shrewsbury played and play a similar manner to them. But I, I think we'll sneak it one nil. James. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, same, same as like you won't, you won't get to ben buy that round of drinks with a <laughs> with that approach. I because of the injury, Goran will be back, right? And then who else? Brannigan, you said potentially back. Brannigan but... or Baptiste sounded like they were in in the mix. A bit. I still don't. I don't think Baptiste at this moment in time is going to be the player that's going to pick up the rest of the team. I think he needs to be slotted into a, a very effective 
line up at the moment in time for him to be at his best. So if Brannigan's back, I think it makes a world of difference. I'm going to say, I'm going to predict the Jordan Barry. Has he been starting for them? Do you know? Not in the last couple, but he did the games before that and has he did score in one of them. So yeah, I think he certainly, I don't think he's injured as far as I'm aware. I'm just, okay. Well, I was going to say he'll he'll notch first and we'll end up winning 3-1. Like their record, surely the confidence that's running through the team Actually, I'm going to say 3-0. Screw it. We don't concede many goals. Um, and ultimately, our back line are still in a, a good place. We'll still have everyone there and fit. Um, so we're not going to concede. I'm going to say 3-0. 3-0. Okay. Go comfortable. I'm going to go 2-1. So I think we will concede. They, they do seem like they can score goals. I'm a little bit worried that it's great we'll have Gorin back. I'm worried that we don't have Henry to sort of get things going and we're going to have to play quite a bit more functionally I think just to to play but yeah they're, they're bottom of the league and we still got a reason that players it's an opportunity for Sykes to get a bit of creative freedom actually so yeah I think I'll go I'll go 2-1 I really want Sykes to be playing right wing again to be honest um, but I guess he's probably going to have to persist actually again it depends on whether Brannigan's back isn't it if Brannigan's back he'll sit there um and then they'll move. Oh no! But then Ford's injured as well, isn't he? <laughs> what what could the lineup actually be? Like we'll have to keep Hall there, and then he'll move. Um, and Henry's going to be out. Ford's out. Well, the bench is, will be depleted as a minimum. And I was even thinking, like, do you have to look at something like playing long at left back and bring Ruffles into midfield? I mean, you can just you can get a first eleven out if you put Gorin back in, Sykes, and then yeah, maybe one of Branning or Baptiste. But it's it's yeah. going to be a bit creative. We're going to have to play solid in the centre and then it'll be up for the wingers to make this work, I think. You could put Cadden right wing, couldn't you? If yeah. you so wanted to. Yeah, that's another like, way of doing it, yeah. Having him and Fosu flanking Taylor like, might not be a bad shout, but we'll end up, what, with Gorin, uh, Brannigan if he was fit, and then someone in midfield. Who would the someone be? That's got to be Sykes, surely. And then Hall gets another yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Okay, on to on this day. Then, Mate. On this day, 8th of December. Two games, both FA Cup games. So we'll start with the, the worst of the two. Uh, 8th of December 2009, so 10 years ago today. Lost an FA Cup second round replay, 3-1 away at Barrow. Uh, this was, despite us being top of the conference at the time and very much in form, back-to-back uh, -back wins the previous seven days, but uh, not to be on this occasion. Uh, nothing really to shout home about, apart from a, a last-minute consolation from Bino, which is his 15th goal of the season, so he was pretty prolific that year. He was our top goal scorer, I think, with about 25 or something like that by the end. Uh, but the real kicker was... Uh, the draw for the third round, Barrow were away at a then Premier League Sunderland in the third round, which yeah. for me says two things. A, that would have been a really good payday. But B, a lot can change in 10 years in football, given we were four divisions apart and now we're four <laughs> places apart. <laughs> nice. And contrasting that, much happier, much more memorable day. Seven years earlier, 8th of December 2002, an FA Cup tie. Oxford won, Swindon nil. I think that's uh, enough to say, apart from a certain Jefferson Louis. Two memorable events. A glancing header from a, a long throw from Scott McNiven, 
past the dive of Brett Grimink. Bert Grimink, <laughs> rather. Still a great Bert. name. Bert. Classic. It's an old keeper there with a flat cap from the 60s. It's a s- strong name, Bert. Like I, haven't, I haven't met a Bert not for a long time. No. If, if any Berts are listening, let us know. <laughs> What are you, you so going to do with that? Goal. <laughs> Just give him a shout. <laughs> yeah. say, say hello. <laughs> Hi, Bert. Uh, hello. Um, <laughs> oh, no Muppets allowed. Anyway, where were we? Yes, Jefferson Louis' goal. Jubilant scenes inevitably in the stadium. And those continued in the dressing room afterwards during the live televised third round draw. We drew Arsenal. And obviously players were happy. And Jefferson Louis forgot the cameras were there. And decided to just start jumping around the changing room, bearing his backside to the millions of viewers on the BBC. It's one of those like is... where were you and JFK was shot type moments. Like we all remember where we were. We saw Jefferson Louis' ass parading around the uh, changing rooms. Just uh... that was... <laughs> yeah, I think it's much more much more memorable than the game itself. Was just that image. Yeah, it was an awful and game. My favourite thing from it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. My best thing from looking this up was uh, that the BBC, despite uh, a backside being shown before the watershed, uh, there were no complaints. Good. Nobody wrote in. A they tight, liked it. A tight hiney, perhaps. <laughs> um, anyway, what, who, what was the score against Arsenal? I don't remember. Uh, I, think, I think we lost 3-0, 2-0, or 3-0. We had the Basham disallowed goal that should have been. That was, oh. was first... That we scored, we we it was nil nil and Basham had one disallowed that by all accounts was was onside and then they just yeah did us after that. That um, Swindon game that was the only time I've ever sat in the north stand of the Casa, so I remember it pretty well. I've never been in the north stand. No, been in the east. no. never been since. Yeah, I've never been in the south stand either actually. But there you go. Um, okay, on to the quiz. <laughs> Right, John, it's you. Oh, do you want Bond intro or Millionaire intro? I think Bond intro. This was a. This isn't that intense. Um, a quiz. So um, we're going to look at club records. So um, can you turn the music down a little bit? Before we go There you go. That'll do. You just need to turn your headphones down, mate. All right. Okay. Um, so we're going to look at club records so if I smell any Wikipedia there'll be a instant <laughs> instant punishment but um, yeah I'll, I'll give you a category for some of our, our records and then if you just shout out players that you can that fit in that category or whatever the thing is and then we'll just do points from points from there so oh, I feel like there's a great opportunity for me and um, Ben to look ridiculously stupid here again. no some of these yep. some of these like players <laughs> I don't recall at all so um We'll see where we get to. Um, so first, club record. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh no. First club record then is top goal scorers, our top 10 goal scorers of all time. So shout out names and we'll just take points from who says them. What, do we just say our name and then shout or just go nuts? Just go nuts. Right. Paul Moody. Yeah. James Constable. Yeah. Joey Beecham. Yeah. Uh, Graham Atkinson. Yeah. Uh, uh, Graham. Oh, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. I was kept on going. What's Ron Atkinson's brother called? I bet. You've, you've got. You've got the main ones of that I would 
I would have probably got. There's a there's a famous Matt Murphy. Matt Murphy. Yeah, that's a. I didn't realise he was sneaked into top ten. It's a good call. Someone suggested he should have been in our last pick eleven, but oh yeah, that's, that was not on. Nigel Jemson. No. Crap. John Aldridge. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'll be very impressed if you, if you get any of the other ones. Um, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna get any other ones. Ben, any other uh, ones? Can you give us a clue? For any of them? Um, I'm just gonna name an old player. Trevor Hebbard. No, not Ray Howen. Uh, no, I don't think so. Ooh. Um, no, that's pretty good though. Seven out of ten. Not not bad at all. Um, moving on then. Who, who were the other three? Oh yeah. Um, Tony Jones, who was a midfielder. Uh, Peter, okay. Peter Foley, who was a forward. Um, and this is why I paused because it it's down here as Bud Houghton. But no, that's that's back in the 60s, so that's not that's not Ray. Yeah, that's not Ray. No. Um, and then Billy Rees, who was back in the 50s. So I'd been very impressed if you got any of them or suspected cheating, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay, moving on then to top transfer fee received. So our top 10. Highest Matt Elliott. Okay. Matt Elliott James. Uh, Dean uh, Kmar Roof. Yep, yeah, Kmar Roof Ben. I said Dean Windass. Dean Windass, yep. Yeah. Uh, Dean uh, Whitehead? O no. O'Dowder. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Johnson. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Lundstrom. Ledson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm basing this off a. Uh, I think some of these are like I'm, I'm going to take them, but some of them. Jay Dunkley. No. Hold on, wasn't Ledson a free? No, I don't think so. No. Well, this some of these are like this list is possibly a bit sort of Wikipedia-ish. So um, I think Lundstrom will take, but Ledson possibly not. Dunkley. No. Ah. Dean Saunders. Yep. That's a good shout. Uh, Joey Beecham. Yep. Oh. How many have we got left? We've got four. No, three. Four. No, four. <laughs> Ray Houghton. Yep. Very good. Um. Oh, uh, Gil Gilchrist. Yep. Oh no. One sec. Uh. No, uh, Darren Purse. Uh, he's not on this list, but yeah, that's a good call. But for the sake of the quiz, I'll say no. I think he might he might need to sneak into this one. Christoph Remy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. I think I'm. Done I think there. that might be it for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the other ones on this list, and I'll I'll, I'll happily take criticism. There may be others that I haven't made on it. Um, were Jim Magilton, John Aldridge, yeah. and Ray Houghton. Oh, John Aldred. I said Ray Houghton. Did you? You acknowledged okay. it, yeah. All right, well, I've, you, I think you're comfortably in the lead at the minute, so we can always go back. Um, John Aldred, that's a bad miss, to be fair, but there you go. Um, this is probably going to be a more tricky one. Um, international caps. So who are in our, who are in our top 10 international caps? Not Jim Magilton. That's one. So I'm getting John Aldridge. Oh, I heard some Dalek then. <laughs> Ben's Ben's brought back the Dalek. Uh, John Aldridge, though he said. Yeah, right? he did. Yeah, that, I got that one. Um, 
Matt Elliott? No. Oh, was he not Scottish? He, oh, he, maybe he didn't play. He, he was Scottish and he did play, but he's not in our top 10 total caps. Uh, Ray Howen. Yeah. Ben, you might have to shout if you've got any calls. Ben's just a static Dalek going forward. Uh, any others? Um, I can't think now. I'm too distracted by the Dalek. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of the Dalek now as well, so we might have to... Um, I mean, we'll let, we'll Dean, let's go on then. Dean Saunders would have played for Wales, wouldn't he? Surely. Yeah, he's in there, yeah. Um, oh God, I just, I just can't think. Go on, just give us them. Okay, so we've got uh, Mark Watson for Canada, Andre Renzi for South Africa, and oh, Mark Wright is the another one. Uh, yeah, no, not no, nine top ten. Um, Andy Melville, uh, Cherry, oh, yeah. Cherry Evans, Aldridge, Billy Hamilton. Uh, so yeah, some some decent names there. Ben, are you still there, or have you been Daleked? I think Ben's gone off and has uh, rejoined, but well, let's we, pretend I got them all right. Well, absolutely. Well, that brings us to brings us to the the end. I did have some other ones, but um, I think I think that gives you a commanding win of at least sixteen right answers to Ben's five. Okay, let me find the nice uh, nice music. It always feels like a bit of a dick move playing that to yourself. <laughs> Got to ben, are you there? Or can you not hear us anymore? This can is you hear me? Wow. You're on mic version two. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Are you on your PlayStation headset now? I am. Okay. Um, I was... I carried on answering everything right, Ben. It was great. Uh, well, it wouldn't have made a difference, then, would it? <laughs> blown out of the water by um, James's uncanny ability to remember some of our international players on that list. This is interesting. This the listeners know something that Ben doesn't, and I like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, right. So we're just over an hour. I thought this was a shoe in to be under an hour at one point, but no. I did have. I did tradition. have. A, I did have some further questions on the quiz if we needed them, but I got scared by the Dalek and just. Yeah, I was put off. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to be going to Milton Keynes on Saturday. Is that still on? We going? Yeah, we're going. Beautiful. And Jack, we picking up Jack on the way. Yeah, and uh, any other waifs and strays? (laughs) (laughs) Happy days. So then, if anyone, uh, how many? By the way, I think we've sold over four thousand tickets for that already. So there's going to be a lot of people there. It's a good turnout. How many did we take the last time we were there? I think it was something similar to that, wasn't it? 3,000, I think. Decent. I think it was more than that. I think it was more. I'll have to go back and look. Um, But if uh, anyone wants to give us feedback in person or a little slap or anything like that, then um, please come up to us in whatever that pub was that had a funny name, the Code Breakers from the war. Um, What was it called? I've lost it. Captain's. Hang on, Captain Captain Ridley's shooting party, which is a well. There we go. 
Yeah, we'll probably be in there at some point in time. So come and say hello. If anyone genuinely has any ideas for new sections or things we should be adding into the pod as well, then give us a heads up. We're all ears are open at all times. Um, but yeah, okay, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening and um, have a good week. Mm-hmm.